of all the souls I have encountered in my travels. His was the most human. Welcome back to the Wrath of Khan Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we analyze and discuss Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, one minute at a time. I'm Chris LaSalle. And I'm David Stoker. Hey, Dave. Chris, welcome back. Happy Monday. Yeah, and to you, sir. Um, And yeah, so uh, this week we're being joined by Aaron Hamerbeck. Uh, Aaron is a screenwriter and instructor at the Kansas City Art Institute. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Happy to have you. And, uh, yeah, we're happy to have you. Uh, we've heard a rumor that you are a, a big Trekkie. Yes, yes. I love Star Trek. I grew up watching it with my dad, and um, we, we've we been to um, to comms before, and, and it's just, um, it, Star Trek's always been a really big part of my life, so yeah, I love Star Trek. <laughs> awesome. Well, this should be a fun, fun set of minutes then. Yeah, absolutely. So, why don't we get into it? Uh, we are going to be talking today about Minute 103. Uh, minute 103 starts with Kirk trying to put on his glasses in his uh, quarters and ends a minute later with Kirk saying, I cheated death. He has cheated death. Yeah. Hmm. Um, my, my first, you know, this, this, this scene, um, you know, it's, we've just come out of the, out of the funeral, um, and, uh, <laughs> We cut back. Don't remind. Don't, don't remind me. I know. No crying in this minute, Dave. For the crying's over. <laughs> um, but I, uh, you know, as he's trying to read, uh, he goes to, to pick up the book and read Tale of Two Cities and put his glasses on, and they're and they're broken. Right. He looks at them, throws them on the table, and they're broken. And uh, I, I, I tried. I, I was trying to get deep. I'm like, what do you think this symbolizes? That the, the glasses are shattered. Uh, well, I feel, well, I feel like the movie has gone almost a little bit full circle here because it starts out where we've discussed, you know, Kirk is, Kirk's feeling aged, you know, he's, you know, this is a young man's game and, you know, here he is at the very end, he's, you know, lost his best friend and, you know, cheated, you know, as we're going to find out, he's cheated death and he's sort of just sitting there, throws the glasses down. I feel like it's like he feels old again. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because rewatching the film, um, I I got that sense too. That sort of like circular journey um, in the film. You know, he's given the glasses in the beginning of the film. He, he talks about this ocular problem that he's allergic to the treatment for, um, and he, you know, it, it's it's interesting because at the very end of the film, he says, "I feel young," and I'm so interested in like the the final notes uh you know the final lines that kirk uses in the films right. and um usually usually they have something about like going into the great beyond you know it's like oh you know let's or uh, second start of the right and straight on to, till morning you know these these kind of like um powerful you know adventure boy kind of <laughs> lines and so it's very um internalized almost you know it's it's a it's a personal line i feel young um and so i wonder if the glasses have something to do with that maybe you know um he's not he's not able to read his book um 
Yeah. Um, like you said, you know, he's he's back to feeling old again, perhaps. I, I feel like he feels old maybe just in this instance because I do remember, yeah, in a couple minutes we're going to get to where he does. He's like, I feel young. And, you know, when the world was new, you know, that even though Carol says that, but, you know, that whole like rebirth of the, you know, with the Genesis planet. But I, I feel like he's lost something here. You know, obviously he loses Spock, but he's I feel like he's lost more than that. What do you think, Chris? You know, I, I was, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I did the same. I said the same thing. Like he, you know, it, it starts with him feeling old. He gets the glasses, and in a way, I think the glasses probably make him feel older. And, yeah. Um, and I, I actually was wondering myself, like, well, he throws them on the table. They're broken. I was wondering, oh, maybe there's a relief there. Like I don't need these anymore. But then a moment later. <laughs> He picks up the book and tries to read it, and he can't, you know, he's got the classic holding it at arm's length away, and clearly he still he still needs them to be able to read. Um, so I don't know. It, it, I think we're going to probably talk about it over these next few minutes is, is what is the, how do we get from this moment here to I feel young? And it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a question I've, I've had kind of throughout the film and also throughout these, you know, these last few minutes of the film is, is, is how do we get there? Because you really think about it at this point, he's at his lowest point. I mean, he's obviously he's having his midlife crisis and everything during, during the beginning of the film. And now he's just lost his best friend. I mean, how much lower can you go? You know, that's true that how lower could you go, but in walks his son. And if you want to talk about rebirth, like now his, you know, his son walks in and, you know, is going to, you know, have a nice conversation with him that I, I believe by the time we are done talking to these through these minutes that he's going to feel better about himself. Yeah, he did lose his his best friend, but now he's gained something from it. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I think that's actually really I don't know that that is really beautiful. It's like, he, you know, he's there's sort of um, this ability for him to live on through his son, of course, like at this point, you know, if you're watching the movie, you don't know about like what happens in, in Star Trek three. Um, but, you know, he, he think it, it's kind of, you know, his his ability to, um, you know, live, live on through David. Um, and you know, all, the, all of the biblical themes and, and whatnot that are constantly kind of going through, um, the film, but it, it is, it is interesting because, um, that, you know, the broken glasses, he looks so old when he puts on the glasses to, um, deal with Khan the first time. Um, and he's looking at the console and he's got his glasses on and he looks so like it's, it's so different from what we see from, um, Captain or Admiral Kirk, um, you know, in, in terms of like, like, you know, he's 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 always been really kind of um, I don't like uh, the, this adventurer and that type of thing, and and so like you know for him to put on the glasses, and it's interesting that you know he doesn't use them again. Um, we don't yeah. see him; they're broken even in Star Trek Four when he pawns them for money. So right. Um, he doesn't get them fixed or, you know, he doesn't put them on again after that. Yeah. I don't think I thought about that because I remember in Star Trek four. Yeah. He does pawn them off and they are broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if in Star Trek three, we ever, we ever see him with his glasses on again or at the beginning of Star Trek four. Yeah. I had that as actually my first note for Star Trek three. <laughs> 
<laughs> How come he's not wearing the glasses anymore? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, so well, let's let's go, let's let's you know move on. So David David not well. There's Kirk hears a knock on the door, right? And um, he looks up and you know says come and and David's already there. He's already in his in his quarters. And I was I'm like, hey, shouldn't there have been a doorbell to let him in? Because he's actually you know he's already come into the you know into his quarters. Now he's walking into Kirk's living room. So is David? Staying with Kirk? Is it he already in the quarters somewhere? Yeah, That's I don't know how he got there. I think he just walked. That's I, why. I, I feel like, I, did you guys get the sense at all? I feel like um, Kirk's quarters are, they look different um, than they do, you know, when we see, when we see Kirk and, the, you know, there with uh, Spock and um, McCoy earlier in the film to watch the, the Project Genesis mm-hmm. video. Um, it just, it looks different. I don't know if it's the lighting. It feels like much more claustrophobic somehow. Um, and maybe they're doing, you know, may, maybe part of that is the fact that like David's already there, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't hear the doorbell. He doesn't walk across um, the room to let him in or anything. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe the fact that like, yeah, David just kind of like comes in and they're in close proximity with each other. Um, maybe that's what's adding to my feeling of, of um, claustrophobia. That's interesting. Do you think they did that deliberately to, to make it feel more awkward? Because I mean, the, I think it's just the way the camera's placed that they're, you know, they're, they're hiding mm-hmm. the view screen and everything. Kirk t- talked to uh, Carol Marcus uh, on earlier. It's all cut out of the frame, but and maybe they did that mm-hmm. just to make this awkward conversation a little more awkward. Yeah. Well, we'll see awkward in a couple of minutes, but I, I do agree that that was one of my notes was that this totally looks different than when Spock and McCoy were in there fighting and arguing um, about Genesis. And here you have, you know, he, it's a moment of reflection. He's by himself. He's got the one lamp on and it's very dark and dim and it's almost reflecting the mood of, you know, what's happened. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's darkest and he's about to face one of his, you know, David comes in at the right moment because he talks to him about facing death. And he finally admits to himself, you know, I, I, I haven't faced death, you know? And I think that, I think the room adds that ambience to that whole conversation. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. It's, uh, it's shadowy, it's dark. Um, it's just, it, and you know, they're, they're the brightest things in the room, um, brightest objects in the room. Um, it's, it's interesting, you know, he pours himself this drink that's sitting in like a champagne bucket. Um, yeah, I noticed. It's that. it's not it's not the Romulan ale. Um, it's something different, and you know, it, I don't know. It's it, I, it. It's just it's a strange scene, and I've always kind of felt like um, maybe it's a, a little heavy handed um, in the fact that it's like, oh, there's this other storyline. We've got to wrap up. We've got to put David in here and and talk about it. And and so I think um, I, that's why. I love these podcasts, these like um, one minute podcasts, because it forces you to really look at those minutes and say, like, there's something there's a whole lot more going on here than just the filmmakers like, whoops. Oh, we forgot about David. Let's make him show up. (laughs) Well, it's it's interesting you say that there's there's, it seems like there's more going on here because there's actually as I was researching this minute, um, I was looking at the script and the script is actually. 
there's there's more to this conversation that starts between it was, Kirk, the conversation between Kirk and David is longer uh, in the mm-hmm. script, and they've definitely cut it ap- cut it apart. Um, and I'm not sure why, because um, it doesn't change everything anything too dramatically. Um, uh, but it starts it, it starts you know David comes in I don't mean to intrude, and Kirk immediately 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 stands up. He's like not at all. I should be on the bridge, and he tries to you know tries to t- take off. And that was my note is like, Jesus, is he trying to avoid David? Um, what? What? Well, yeah, I think he's trying to avoid David, but I think he's also trying to avoid con conversation that may lead to any t- any type of emotional you know whether it's talking about david or talking about spock he, he probably wants to just avoid any type of personal re- relationship conversation that's why he sort of bolts he's like i'm out of here i gotta go to the bridge they need me you think he just wants to be alone i think he does i think he wants to be alone and i you know Kirk has never really been like an emotionally available character <laughs> uh, um, you know, he's he's pretty well known for that. I mean, you know, when I when I see something like this, you know, I think like I, I have to think back to the original series and think like, like how many other kids are in this galaxy, you know, that that uh, shared DNA with James T. Kirk, um, the, uh, <laughs> you know, and I, he's not I he's just not great um, at, you know, sort of the personal um you know, reflection or, you know, being emotionally available um, to people. And so I think that like that, that, you know, that's definitely seen in uh, the scene with Dr. Marcus. Um, He's just not not great at it. (laughs) I think these movies, these next few movies definitely show us how he handles those relationships, how he handles his emotions, you know, from, you know, the highs and lows of this one, even, you know, obviously the journey to, to get Spock, the journey to save the world, even, you know, Final Frontier and, you know, Undiscovered Country, he definitely has a much broader character than he did in the motion picture and in the series. I mean, he was very, I don't want to say one-dimensional in the series, but that's how how I think they, you know, he was, you know, the manly man, he was the captain and went in with guns a-blazing, and, you know, here we're we're, we're seeing there's more to Kirk than, than just that. That's one of the things I really like about this movie and and, and the others as well is because they definitely add that dimension to Kirk's character. Um, uh, he's not just all bravado and you know, uh, you know we come and be right. shoot to kill, right? <laughs> right. Um, Nobody. And I think this minute definitely starts to peel that onion a little bit. You know, he's been he was very closed off for most of the movie. You know, he talked to Carol. And it seems like the Marcuses know how to get to Kirk the best. I mean, Carol talks to him and, you know, he talks about his feelings there. And then David comes in and he talks about his feelings about death. And, you know, no one else was, you know, Spock wasn't able to really reach him and McCoy wasn't. And yet it's the two Marcuses that really get to the core of his what's going on. And this, you know, I I totally agree with how, you know, this movie really does peel the onion, like you said, you know, about uh, Dr. Uh, about Kirk because um, he, he, you know, he was all bravado. He was, you know, know, sort of the quintessential um, like bad boy, you you know, and, and um, the, um, the, the fact that he has um, so much um, uh, vulnerability in this film um, to the point, you know, the, the famous, you know, con, you know, con, 
on. Uh, you know, he, he's so easily <laughs> broken in this film. And then that beautiful speech that he gives um, at the funeral uh, for, for Spock and how he almost breaks. And it's, it's, um, arresting to see him, um, really kind of be so vulnerable. And, um, there's, there's just such beautiful nuance in this scene that, you know, I'll, I'll talk about a little later, you know, in terms of like his, his, um, relationship with David. But I mean, you know, this, this kind of stuff really just shows the, um, the beauty of, of, um, William Shatner's acting. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, the, in these three minutes, we really see a, a a nice range of of how well Shatner can act. Yeah. Yeah, that was my note as well. Is this this even even here in the near the end of this minute, right? Uh, as David, you know, says, "Oh, you've never faced death," and um, you know, he has. You know, Kirk has his long pause, and you know, is looking thoughtful and. You know, sits down and no, not like this. I haven't faced death. I've cheated death. I, I just, yeah, I think he, Shatner nails it. You know, as far as you know, coming across as, as really lost, right, and and, and vulnerable, right, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it is a really great minute. He really has to face like and, and call into question um, such a strong part of his character. Um, you know, he's been so proud of this quality that he has, this ability to kind of um, cheat death and, you know, and and outmaneuver. Um, and, and, you know, he's actually kind of just faced with, um, you know, the reality of you know, when all everything comes crashing in and he's never had to deal with that before. He's, you know, definitely kind of um, escaped having to deal with tragedy and pain and suffering. And it is so interesting that, um, you know, David comes in and, and he doesn't hold back. He, you know, he says like, you know, Savick was right. You, you've never faced death before. Um, and, and um, I, you know, that, that's gotta be, you know, it, it's like, he's not there to like comfort his dad. He's there to um, really kind of, bring bring things into focus yeah agreed it's yeah but we've seen we've seen all, all all movie though for david he never holds back i mean even with his mother you know talking about kirk and you know how we the science community has always been puppets of the federation and you know uh, yeah. even even on the in the cave he even says you know you know kirk was talking about his his ingenious uh way to handle the kobayashi maru and david calls him right out on it and says you cheated you know mm-hmm. let's let's call it he never held back, and that's, you know, great for his character in a moment when Kirk needs it. He needs that brutal honesty. Do you think that goes back to uh, Carol saying, also describing when he uh, she describes, well, David's a lot like you uh, when he's talking. She's Maybe. talking to Kirk. Uh, I wonder if th- is this an aspect of of his personality? Was you know Kirk Kirk the same way? Like you know, calling it as he sees it, um, and now his son's throwing it back at him. <laughs> It's funny that, you know, at the beginning, when we first are introduced to David, I would have thought he was nothing like Kirk. But here we are, minute 103, close to the end of the movie, and I would say, yeah, he does have some of the similar qualities that Kirk has. Um, so, well, that's that kind of gets us to the end of the minute as far as Kirk saying I cheated death. Um, I don't have any other notes. Do you, do you guys have any other notes? Not for this minute. Yeah, I think I'm good for this minute yep yeah definitely definitely 
we're in the, we're in the middle of the conversation, so there's more to come uh, in minute 104. Um, well, then, before we wrap things up, we have a couple things we want to we want to get to. Um, we actually have some reader mail to address. Uh, so, Dave, we got a we got a message from one our one of our listeners. Um, are we going to say his full name, or do you think we should say Mark? Just or, just say Mark. We'll call him Mark. Okay. He knows who he is. Yeah. So Mark Mark wrote in. He's been listening to the show, and uh, we're going to have to put the uh, uh, step into the wayback machine because he's uh, his he has a a comment and question. Um, he was talking about back when the Reliant first came into the SETI Alpha system. Uh, he says, one would think that if any planet uh, in the SETI Alpha system were at the furthest point in its orbit relative to, to Reliant, long-range sensors would have detected it. Um, and he goes on to say essentially that um, he doesn't understand why when the Reliant arrived in the SETI Alpha system that it didn't realize they were short a planet. <laughs> And that SETI Alpha Five may be now in a different or- orbit, um, right? And uh, and, I, and I don't I don't remember if we actually we may have joked around about that. You know, how can they not tell? You know, but it, his email totally makes sense. Like, they wouldn't they have that on record? You know, in the SETI, you know, how many in the SETI Alpha system there are? And yeah, wouldn't the sensor that the sensors give them? like a view and say like, here's the system and there's 17 planets and there should be 18. Right. Right. Um, but I think you have an answer for that. Don't you, Chris? <laughs> well, I personally don't have the answer. Uh, but Vonda McIntyre, who did the novelization of star Trek two, uh, answered the question for us. Um, so in, in the book, um, as they're, as they're checking out, coming into the system and checking out the system, uh, Terrell and Chekhov have a conversation where they're questioning the probe data. Uh, so the probe data show that there were 20 planets uh, in the system, but, when, uh, but what Reliance sees on approach was that there were only 19 planets. So you were close, Dave, on your count. That was close. There was 20, supposed to be 19. Um, and uh, so Chekhov says, I've been working on that, Captain, and there are two possibilities. Uh, Alpha, well, actually, in the novel, it's called Alpha SETI system. But let's say the SETI Alpha was surveyed by one of the earliest probes, and their data wasn't always completely reliable. And some of the archival, archival preservation has been pretty sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, uh, uh, it's a, a clerical error, is what Vonda is saying. <laughs> the reason uh, no one noticed was because um, they didn't trust the probe data, or they they, they questioned it. Um, Fantastic. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's a. I kind of like that because I think there's. I think there's been a couple other times where we've had questions, you know, logic questions, say, uh, uh, in some of these episodes, and uh, they've been answered in the novel. So it's not. We're not the first people to ask these questions, and I and I, I wonder as the novel was being written, you know, <laughs> was she anticipating some of these questions that come up and just added right. this, added the stuff in there? So uh, anyway, so thanks, Mark, for. Um, for writing in we appreciate it and uh folks if you guys want to drop us a note you can still reach us at podcast at rathaconminute.com we'd be happy to um read your questions or comments on the air and and speak to them if we can answer them if we can aaron did you have any did you have any thoughts on that did you did you wonder about that too when uh when all that went down I actually did. So I'm really happy that you cleared that up because I was just thinking about that today. I rewatched the film and I was thinking the exact same thing. So I'm, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Mark. Um, so, yeah. So the other thing, uh, as we're kind of wrapping up here, uh, Aaron, just questions for you. Um, 
uh, we usually ask all of our guests, you know, do you remember the first time you saw Rathacon and where did you see it and any, any, any good memories of Rathacon the, the first time you viewed it? You know, I don't, I don't have as strong of memories about Wrath of Khan as I do about, um, Voyage Home, um, for whatever reason. I mean, I just, I remember watching Voyage Home when I was younger and just, um, being, uh, just falling in love with it and becoming obsessed with Star Trek again. Um, I, like I said before, you know, I watched Star Trek with my dad. And so that's always a really fond memory, um, watching Star Trek and like Buck Rod and like these shows mm. um and uh you know i've always always loved star trek and um wrath of Khan, um is just kind of um something that i definitely remember watching again probably during that time when i came across um star trek for and you know kind of having these questions and wondering you know because i i definitely watched the films out of order for the first time um you know uh um, and so I think, you know, wanting to know like, Hey, what happened to Spock? Like, why is he acting all weird in this movie? Um, I needed, I needed to go back and rewatch the films. Um, and so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have like a specific memory of, um, uh, watching, um, Star Trek Wrath of Khan, but I just, I do remember just watching, um, watching it on TV and, um, getting the, I, I just, for the longest time, just kind of remembered it as, as a very red film. Um, I remember the color red because the, the ship is red often and red is orange, <laughs> um, you know, and, um, yeah, yeah, just, um, the, uh, yeah, that, that's, um, I don't, I don't really have like a specific memory watching it the first time. Well, it's funny, the, the color red, you're talking about the color red, um, we were actually talking about that too in one of the scenes when um, uh, it was after one of the attacks from the Reliant. Uh, you know, they had a, the red alert lights were on, everything was red, but then the power went out and they turned on the emergency lights and everything just went back to, you know, kind of regular lighting. And I, yeah. Dave, Dave and I both commenting like, oh, I'm, I, I like the red lighting better. It gives it yeah. more of, you know, this, I don't know, more drama. Um, but you're right, it is very real. Yeah sense of danger it's like oh yeah yeah all of all and and you know of course like the soundtrack you know nicholas meyer it's just i i love that sort of like contrast because there is that seriousness um and you know the gravitas um but like a lot of the soundtrack is really um it you know has these sort of like fleeting notes um the the you know the 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 violins um are just playing these like really sort of fast um, staccatos. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it, I don't know, for me, it's it, like just remembering how I felt about the film, you know, when I was younger, when I was first watching it, um, I had just sort of these, um, like emotional responses to, um, the sensorial details, like the, like the way it sounded and the colors, <laughs> um, it, those are, those really kind of stick out in my mind. Awesome. Well, great. Well, thanks, Aaron. Um, well, then, folks, um, if you want to find us online, uh, you, you can find us at RathaconMinute.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at WOKMinute, and Instagram is RathaconMinute. And we also have the Rathacon Minute Listener Federation on Facebook that you can join in, um, uh, continue the discussion about these minutes or others. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and we're going to be back again here on Wednesday with Minute 104 of Star Trek II here at the Rathacon Minute. 